the first 45 minutes of every day, of every day, and I mean this is the first 45 minutes of work that I do before anything else happens, is just dedicated to this project, this book project that I'm working on. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. My name is Kim O'Hara. I'm an intuitive book coach at A Story Inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life who have a story to tell. Do they have a book in them? Stick around and find out. John Lee Dumas is the host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, an award-winning podcast where he interviews inspiring entrepreneurs who are truly on fire. With over 2,500 episodes, 1 million plus listeners a month, and seven figures of annual revenue, John Lee Dumas is just getting started. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And booking you through your Fire Nation scheduling system exhibited impressive time management, which entrepreneurs need to thrive. What was that moment you knew you needed more of that gatekeeping for your success? It was actually pre-launch. I had a mentor. She was an amazing podcast host herself, uh, Jamie Masters of The Eventual Millionaire. I was part of this incredible podcast mastermind called The Podcast Mastermind, run by the podcast answer man himself, Cliff Ravenscraft. And when I ran my idea by them of wanting to start a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs, both of them said, can't be done. Just can't be done. Not going to happen. You'll never find enough guests. You'll run out of time. You'll have no energy, no bandwidth. You won't be able to grow any other parts of your business. There's a reason why people do once a week. It's just what people do. And I said to myself, wow, if the top people in the industry say that it can't be done and I can find a way to do it, that's a huge opportunity. Now was a challenge of finding a way to do it. And so after definitely some trial and error, I realized nothing is going to make this work except for batching like a baller. So <laughs> I, I love it. This batching system where every Tuesday for five and a half years, Kim, I recorded eight back to back episodes for Entrepreneurs on Fire. So no, I was not doing one episode every single day. That would have been too much knowing I had to record every single day. But I could just wake up every Tuesday, say, today's my Super Bowl. Let's do this. And by the end of the day, I had my entire week's worth of episodes done. And I could rest. I could recoup. I could work on other parts of my business for the remaining six days. Wonderful. That makes so much sense. And I'm a really curious person. And I like going deep with folks on this show. So aside from the obvious answers, why podcasting for you? It was from a point of just loving podcasts as a consumer, as a listener. For two years, I did little else on my free time, on my drives, on my workouts, on my walking of dogs, than listen to podcasts. It was just a medium that I fell in love with at first listen because I understood it. Like to me, it was so obvious that podcasting was a special medium because it was free, which is awesome. The price yeah, is right. Exactly. It was on demand. I could press play and pause when I wanted to. I wasn't beholden to the radio, just, you know, talking at me when they wanted to talk at me. And then it was 
targeted. Like I could listen to exactly what I wanted to listen to. Like I was in San Diego. If I listened to sports radio, I had to listen to about, you know, the Padres or I'd listen about the San Diego Chargers. Like I'm from Boston. Like I'm a New England Patriots fan. Like I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I could go listen to the podcast specifically about what I wanted to listen to, what I cared about. And that was what made all the difference in the world. So that when I asked myself that incredibly important question, what is missing in the world specifically of podcasts, I could come up with the answer, which was, man, something that I wish existed was a daily show interviewing successful entrepreneurs. Like, why is there not that show in the world? I had no idea you were from Boston or a Red Sox fan. I'm from Rhode Island. <laughs> so I just had to interject and hearken back to our roots there for a moment. I was that kid that listen to, you know, we had a celebrity Salty Brian and he would do the top 40 with Casey Kasem. And I was the kid that would write down every week, like charting it. Like I had something to do with it. I was that kid with the microphone that was the hairbrush. What kind of kid were you? Were you a quiet kid? Like, where does that come from inside of you to get on the rate, you know, get on a podcast and, you know, really talk to people? Well, first I need to re-inject after your injection. Okay. <laughs> not only am I born and raised in New England and, you know, lived in Boston for a very long time, but I went to Providence College in Rhode Island. <gasps> wow. And I went to Roger Williams Law School in Bristol. So I mean, I have amazing Rhode Island roots as well. I love that little postage stamp of a state. It's a, it's a great area and um nothing I don't love about Rhode Island. But you know, for me, I was I was a very shy kid. Like I was always making the excuses of like why I couldn't go to my junior high dances because I was just always so self-conscious and shy and all these different things. And I'll never forget what changed it all for me. It was my sophomore year. A kid from Connecticut moved to my high school. And this kid was just the coolest kid. I went to a, a high school that was very country. I mean, you know, we were made up of of six small towns, made up one high school. And it was just, I mean, there was, you know, it was, I had great friends, but I mean, this guy was like coming from Connecticut, like near Hartford, like it was a city and yada, big yada. Time, yeah. And he was just cool. I mean, he could dance, he could rap, he liked different music. And I, I, we became great friends. You know, we actually became the best of friends. And long story short, we ended up um, going to Providence College together and uh, our freshman year we roomed together and we're still friends to this day. I was a groomsman at his wedding. But the point was my sophomore year in high school, I'll never forget like he was at this dance and he was dancing his face off and he was loving it. And then I pulled him off to the side one time. I'm like, like, Ben, how can you just like dance? Like nobody cares. He's like, he's like, this is the thing. He's like, look around this gym right now. Every single individual is thinking that everybody's staring at them, but nobody's staring at them. Everybody's just thinking that everybody else is staring at them. He's like, so I just realized that nobody's staring at me and I just do exactly what I want to do. And it was like a switch was flipped. And I went from the most shy introverted person that just like felt like I was always on a spotlight and everybody was pointing and making fun of me to just being like, who cares. I'm going to go out and have the best time in the world. And when you do that, people actually love it because now you're giving them permission to like care less as well and just go and have fun instead of thinking that they're all wrapped up in their own head. So that was a big shift in my life and I'll never forget it. That's a fantastic story. And I always tell my kids, don't worry what other people think about you because guess what? They're only thinking about themselves. 
So true. It's so true. So as you know, we talk about books and writing on this show, and you have a few how-to books on podcasting, which are great, but who are you as a writer? Do you write? And what is that book you'd write if the world was your oyster, like throwing caution to the wind? It's funny you ask, because I'm actually writing that book right now. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> six months ago, um, I had this wonderful agent reach out to me, and he, she had just been a big fan of my work and my podcast for quite some time now. And she said, John, I know that there's like an actual book inside you. I'd love to represent you for this. I know I can go get you you know, a, a multi six-figure advance from one of the big five publishing companies. And you know, sure enough, we got great bids from all the big five and I ended up going with HarperCollins as my publisher and um, I have a great editor who I work with very closely. And for the last four months now, the first 45 minutes of every day of every day, and I mean, this is the first 45 minutes of work that I do every single day, because I have a 90 minutes health and wellness routine every morning before that, but my first 45 minutes of work before anything else happens is just dedicated to this project, this book project that I'm working on. The book is actually called The Common Path to Uncommon Success, and it is just my compilation of knowledge that I've gained over the last eight years of building my own business into a multi-million dollar media empire, but also having interviewed now over 2,600 successful entrepreneurs and learning from every single one of them how they built their level of success in different ways, shapes, and forms, and just turning it into what I think is a very common path that a lot of people try to overcomplicate that if you follow correctly will lead you to uncommon success. That's a fantastic title. And I do have to say, this is a perfect example for people that are listening. Just build something very impressive and lucrative, and you will be asked to write a book about it eventually by notable folks. Because I get asked that all the time. How do I get you know, a big five publisher? It's like, well, do something really impressive. <laughs> and then people will want to buy your story, you know? And I yeah, think- like why like why are they willing to offer me like, you know, a multi six figure advance for a book when I'm a when I when I will be a first time officially publisher, you know, like I've written like, you know, a little weekends, how to, how to podcast book. I've done some journals, which isn't an actual book. It's just like, you know, a hundred day journal. Like most of the pages are blank lines. Like this would be my first quote unquote book. Well, they're willing to do that because they saw that with the freedom journal, I did $453,000 in journal sales in the first 33 days through that Kickstarter campaign, because I have attention, I have audience, I have people that are looking to me to provide them content and value and knowledge. And so since you, when you have that proven source of attention, of audience, of followers, of influence, then yes, you are going to have such an easier time going through everything that Kim and I have been talking about, you know, the agents, the big five publishers, getting the advance, getting the editor, writing the book, going through all that process. And this is a perfect segue to my question about your transparency, about your income online, which I love and I envy at the same time. <laughs> so where did you get the idea to do that? Share all this fiscal information. Back in 2011, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to become an entrepreneur because 
I had been an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. I had gone to law school and dropped out. I had tried corporate finance and quit. I had tried commercial real estate and just just liked the entire industry itself for for multiple reasons. And so I said, well, what is my potential next step? And I said, I would love to be financially independent, location independent, and have lifestyle freedom. Like those are, are things I would love to achieve. And I realized that there were people that were achieving these things, but I, you know, just came from this very traditional background. I mean, like you're just distilled as an officer in the US Army, you know, like duty, honor, country. And I just refused to do anything that I felt was like slimy or scammy or anything like that. And I just didn't know if you could do something of value online and generate real revenue um, without being that way. And so I was searching for the answers and I stumbled across Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. And this guy had a family, just a genuine guy. You could just tell he came across as just kind-hearted, family first, real nice person. And he was publishing income reports. And I said, man, this is so inspiring to see that you can actually be a good person delivering actual real value and generate significant revenue. I said, if I ever get to the point where I'm doing something similar revenue wise, I want to be that source of inspiration that Pat was to me to other individuals as well. So it took us 13 months to actually make any money whatsoever, but we started generating significant revenue um, about a year into launching our podcast. And I turned to my girlfriend and business partner, Kate, and I said, it's time. Like, it's time to start showing the world how we're doing it. But I want to even take it to the next level. Like, I bring in my lawyer for legal tips. I bring in my accountant for a tax tip. Like, we make it a very well-rounded, thorough income report where we share what's working for us so that you can emulate our success, but also what's not working for us. Like we had a pretty big failure that we talked very openly about two months ago. And we talk about that in our income report so people can avoid our failures and our mistakes. Cause of course we're making those and I'm glad that we make those. Cause if we're not, then we're not pushing the envelope. We're not trying hard enough. So that's what the income report is. It's for other people um, to give them the inspiration that I got back in the day when I needed it. But it's also great for us to keep our finger on the pulse, to see like what's actually working and to make sure that, hey, like our, not just our gross revenue, but our net profits is staying where we want it to be every single month. And you have to know your numbers. Like there's so many people out there and you'll see them. Oh, I just had a six figure launch or I'm running a seven figure business. Well, I'll tell you right now, it's not hard to make a million dollars when you're spending $2 million to make it. And (laughs) that unfortunately is a reality for a lot of businesses. And that makes it, that that skews the perception for people that could have a wonderful business that they're starting. They're like, I'm never going to make that. And you're like, oh, but you're not seeing what's behind the curtain there. That's really, we have like 30 seconds left before (laughs) we have to part. Best interview ever out of the 2,600? Aaron Walker. I've interviewed him now, I think four times. Um, and I don't do that many repeat guests. So the fact that I've interviewed him four times speaks volumes, but the first interview I ever did with him was spectacular. And I do have a search bar on my website. So if you just type in Walker, all four of them will pop up and just go back to the first one. It's a classic. I will send people there. Thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. Go Providence Friars. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. 
If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond.